The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a pop-up. First base side foul ground playable. Santana makes the catch. The Indians have won the American League pennant. UltimateSportsTalk.com now presents the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. A comprehensive look at the Cleveland Indians and Cincinnati Reds. For the seventh consecutive season, we examine each team and their progress throughout the 2017 Major League Baseball season. And now, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Is there any better time in the world than the 1st of April? Not only is it April Fool's Day, not today, but on Saturday it was, but you've got the NCAA tournament going on, both the men's and women's. You've got golf tournaments going on. You've got car races. You've got the opening of the Major League Baseball season. The parade happened down in Cincinnati earlier today. There's a big parade going on in Texas tonight. Everything is happening and now you're tuned into the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along as we bring in our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue from down south. It's our annual preview show. This is our prediction show. And last year, Mark, we did pretty good as compared to a few years beforehand. Well, I think the, the millions of our listeners anticipate through the winter this particular show. Because well we, we even Las Vegas tunes in because they know that Dave and Mark are, are going to hit it on out of the ballpark, as it were, in terms of predictions, because we know baseball, right, Dave? That's right, absolutely. And you know, when you you look at this, Mark, there's no better theme song to have queued up and ready to go for this day than center field from John Fogarty. Because, man, I'll tell you what, that song, Mark, just hits the beginning of the baseball season. Yeah, it does. And there's something special opening day with every ball club. But I have to say with some bias that what happens in Cincinnati is, I guess, super special because the community gets behind it so much. And in about an hour, it kicks off officially down at Cincinnati and I've gone to a number of opening day games and, and the parade, and it's really special. It's almost like a college atmosphere down there uh, in Cincinnati on opening day. And this year, Sean Casey is the grand marshal and an appropriate choice, a good choice. Uh, and, but over the years, you've seen guys come back from uh, being retired several years, and, and they, they never fail to recognize the importance and how special opening day is to Cincinnati fans. And uh, <laughs> there there may be those who say that, given the Reds' chances this year, today could be the highlight. This parade could be the highlight of the season. But uh, we'll get into that more later. Well, Mark, you kind of let the cat out of the bag. We were going to let everybody know when the essence of transparency we're recording tonight's show, just simply because of some predetermined activities that we had to do this afternoon being the fact that the Reds are playing at 4 o'clock. The Indians don't play until 8 o'clock tonight in Texas, which if you're listening to the show tonight at 9 o'clock, well, that was about an hour ago. We're going to go through our predictions coming up in the second half hour. But, Mark, talk a little bit as we talk about the Reds and the Indians, as we always do. But as far as the Reds are concerned, what did they learn about this team? What were they trying to accomplish through the previous basically 40 days of spring training heading into today's opener? I think you have to go back a little further than that because I think the Reds' philosophy has been, going back the last couple of years, it's addition by subtraction. And they've gotten rid of a lot of, of their, their veteran players starting two or three years ago with Johnny Cueto and Mike Leake, Jay Bruce, uh, Brandon Phillips this year. Uh, in, if you look at the roster from two years ago, it's amazing, the turnover. And the Reds, if they didn't have Bronson Arroyo and Scott Feldman on their lineup, I think they have the youngest average age uh, of, of a team in, in Major League Baseball. So they are – the transition, I think, is over. And now it becomes development. 
that they have good young players. Uh, they have good young players in, in AA, in AAA. Uh, the organization is much stronger than it was three or four years ago. But that does not mean necessarily that they're going to win more games. And it, it's because these young players are still that. They're young, and they're going to make mistakes. Uh, they're in the development stage. And this is really where a, a young man who has worked years, his whole life, to get to this point in his career, their career can be made or not made uh, in the next six weeks to two months because the door is open for a number of these young kids to step in, establish themselves as major league ball players for a long time to come, or they don't do that. You don't often get second chances uh, to to be a starting position player in baseball or a starting pitcher for that matter. So you're going to see a lot of uh, mistakes made this year. Uh, you're going to see some games where you think you've gotten a, a Cy Young winner on your hands, and then the next time out he gets hammered. So that's the nature of youth. It, it's inconsistency. Uh, at its highest level, and the, the the tension these young guys are playing under this year uh, is going to be surprisingly high, not because they are necessarily going to be competitive, it's because their careers are on the line. And that makes it tough to play ball uh, when you know you've got a chance. And uh, I'll just harken back last year to Scott Shebler. He came up, and if you might recall, Dave, on opening day last year, he delivered a game-winning double to win the game but then went into a tailspin and actually was optioned back to AAA. And uh, he went down there, got off to a slow start, but then got hot and came back in the second half of the year, r- resurrected his his position with the, with the team, and now he's a starting right fielder this year. Well, I don't think anybody's ever had a better opening day than Joe Randa. Oh, yeah. You, remember Joe Randa? I sure do. Hit, hit a... You know, people forget that, he, that the home run he hit uh, to win that game against the Mets. Uh, was that in, what, 2007, 8, something like that? Something like that, yeah. right. And, and But that was preceded by a three-run home run by Adam Dunn uh, to tie that game up, and then Randy came up and won it. So, yeah, that was a, I remember that game very, very well. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you do, Dave. I'm glad you remember and, that. And a week later, he was gone. That's, That's the right. only hit he got as a red. That was a, that was a great hit. But, you know, as far as the Indians are concerned, Mark, they come in as the reigning American League champions. They're the prohibitive favorite to win it again this year, according to a lot of the pundits. But they came into spring training, Mark, and I think they came in with really three goals. First of all, be healthy entering opening day. That was the big thing that they wanted to do. Second, they wanted to get their pitching staff in line. They wanted to set it up to where Corey Kluber was going to be the number one pitcher, Carlos Carrasco number two, Danny Salazar number three. And I think the third thing that they wanted to do, Mark, was just see where they stood as far as the outfield positions were concerned. Michael Brantley was a big key to that. Michael Brantley's in the opening lineup tonight. He's going to be playing left field. That is a big accomplishment for Michael Brantley. Now, what are the Indians going to do at third base? They're going to start with Yande Diaz at third base. A year ago, Mark, I couldn't have told you who Yande Diaz was. But he has come out and he played outstanding ball at the minor league level last year. He came up and he hit over 500 in spring training. He's made it possible for Terry Francona to put him at the third base spot. And while Jason Kipnis is out with the sore right shoulder, his throwing shoulder, they've moved Jose Ramirez to second base, which is his natural position after playing third base for more than half the year a year ago. Those are the three things that I think the Indians wanted to accomplish. They did it. They came out healthy with the exclusion of Jason Kipnis. They got their pitching staff in order. They've got Corey Kluber set to go tonight against Hugh Darvish of Texas. And they've got Michael Brantley back in the lineup. Those were the three things that I think they wanted to accomplish. And they're ready to go to open up this 2017 season, and I think it's going to be a good one for the Indians. You'll find out where, I, where I've where i got them. I don't think it's going to be a surprise in our predictions coming up later on. But 
I'll tell you one thing, Mark, I'm excited about this season. I'm even excited about the baseball season from the Reds' point of view because I remember when the Indians were building this team up and it was still fun to watch them. Even back in the early 90s, Mark, when they were building that team up, it was fun to watch them. And it's fun to watch a team develop throughout the entire season, and that's what it's going to be like this year for the Reds. Dave, question, and this is more having you play psychologist here. The the Indians were one game away from winning the World Series. They lose three straight to the Cubs. Uh, horribly disheartening loss. Does Does that have a carryover into this season? You know, I don't think it does because they've got it, and I hate to use this as an excuse, but they've got an automatic built-in excuse. They went into that World Series, Mark, without Carrasco, without Salazar. It's like two years ago when the Cavaliers played the Warriors. They had an excuse built-in because they didn't have Kevin Love and they didn't have Kyrie Irving. Well, that's the same thing that the Indians went into the World Series with last year. Nobody expected the Indians to be up 3-1. to one. Nobody expected the team to even make the World Series with Carlos Carrasco and Salazar gone. They took it to Game 7. You know, I think the, the hardest thing, Mark, is that they were so close, you're right, with Rajay Davis hitting that home run. But I didn't think about it until earlier today. This was the second straight World Series. I'm going all the way back to 97, and then last year, 2016, 19 years apart, that the Indians lost a disappointing Game 7. I never thought about it until earlier today. And that, I think, you know, this team was is nowhere compared to that 97 team, except for Sandy Alomar, who's the first base coach. To answer your question, I'm going to play psychologist. No, I don't think so. I think they've got a full complement. And I think the only thing that can really stop this team this year is injuries. Well, again, the the Indians on paper, and and you can look at the World Series contenders last year, the Cubs and Indians appear to be the strongest two teams in baseball. Uh, You know, looking at the list of players that that other teams have and the depth of pitching and and all the the metrics that go into uh, determining who is going to be the winner this year, it's hard to vote against Cleveland and Chicago appearing again in the World Series. But, as you as you well know, there are teams that always surprise during the year. Injuries might play into it. Uh, a, a young team, I'm not saying the Reds, but a team like the Reds, suddenly they get hot and they start playing over their heads. They're not expected to win, so they're loose. And they go out there and cause some damage. And that could happen in some of the divisions in baseball this year. But we've been talking over the years, and I'll focus on the American League first, of the teams certainly that that we know are contenders this year. But you look down the list of teams in 2017, uh, there are going to be some disappointments. And if you look at the – we talked last week about the Angels, and I I think the Angels may be – uh, the most disappointing team in the American League over the last four or five years. And I, I don't see them shedding that this year. I mean, it, it, do you see a, a, a dark horse in the American League that could, could rise up and cause some problems? Yeah, there's one I think that, um, not, not giving away my predictions, but I think Seattle is a team that can really rise up and start causing some problems. You and I are on the same wavelength with the Angels. It's almost like, what are the pictures that Mike Sosha has? How in the world has he kept his job for so long? You know, those are two questions that I've got when it comes to the Angels. You know, another another team that I think could probably rise up and cause some problems if everything breaks their way. I don't think they can win the division, but I think the White Sox, on paper, Boy, they've got a lot of potential on that team. Uh, with the trades that they made during the, the the winter season, that's a team that I could see if everything breaks their way. A second-place finish to the White Sox for me would not be a surprise. I think it would be a surprise to a lot of people, but it would not be a surprise to me just because of the moves that they've made. In the National League, 
boy, I look at some of the teams that are out there, Mark. I'll tell you one team that I think is ready. Well, I'm not going to tell you right now. I'll tell you in our preview. But there's one team that I think is ready to make a crash. And we'll get into that coming up later on. But let's focus on the Reds and the Indians just for the first half hour here before we get on our predictions, Mark. What this year to you for this Cincinnati Reds team would classify, in your mind, a successful season? I think playing 500 would uh, make everybody very enthusiastic because it would represent progress. You know, the last three years, I think the Reds have lost 228 games. That's the most in Major League Baseball. I mean, the Reds, over the last three years, have been the worst team in baseball. That's 30 out of 30. They've lost more games than any other team. And last year, they were 68-94. So I think moving up to 81-81, and winning 13 more games would be a huge step forward for this team and and maybe save uh, the manager's job. Ryan Price has endured a lot of losing. And sometimes that becomes endemic in the organization. They, they get used to losing. Uh, a loss is not a big deal anymore. And that that's the kiss of death. And right now, losing baseball and and Brian Price seems synonymous to me in base in, with with the Reds, and that, that's a bad bad position to be in. So I think Brian Price he would love to play 500 or even one over 500, change that momentum. Uh, that that's key for this organization this year. On the other hand, I heard on Cleveland radio this morning, and I thought it was a very interesting question. Heading into opening day, Mark. If you're an Indians fan, is this a World Series season or bust? I think so. Uh, after what happened last year, I mean, again, you mentioned 97. You know, the Indians were within one game twice uh, of submitting themselves in the history books. It didn't happen. And you don't want to rise to that top. And you look at the Washington Nationals. Uh, they have been so close to winning the World Series or getting in the World Series and never got over the hump. And that's what you don't want to have happen. Teams, they seem to, you look, look at the Reds back in 10, uh, 12, and 13. They rose to the top. They never got there. And so then they plunged down into the abyss again. And that's what, in mid-market teams, that seems to be the trend because they, they can't stay up. And they can't keep the momentum going with with free agent signings and draft picks and all that to keep, like the Cardinals are a contender every year. Uh, the, the Reds haven't done that. And so the Indians are, over the next two or three years, if they don't win, well, it's likely they're going to be in rebuild mode again in three years. And that starts the process all over again. And now you're looking down a, a long road before you're, you're successful in, in winning a World Series. So I do think it's very important for them this year to win it. Because you never know about, you mentioned injuries. Uh, you know, you, a couple injuries, if you don't win this year and you get a couple injuries next year now, oh my gosh, you, you've missed that, that golden ring, you know, and that's, that's a tough position. Yeah, you say, you know, that there's, there's always a window. They talk about that window of possibility for you to win a championship. Crying out loud, Mark, we talked about it four or five years ago with the Washington Nationals and, you know, what what they did with uh, their pitcher when they shut him down for the playoffs and then uh, because of the arm surgery the year before, Strasburg. Uh, you can't do that. When you've got this window of opportunity, Mark, I mean, the Indians tried everything that they could do last year to get Danny Salazar ready for the World Series. Both managers, Joe Madden and Terry Francona, threw the best bullpen pitcher that they had in Andrew Miller and Araldis Chapman to these guys almost fell off the mound and couldn't lift their arms above their shoulder. When it comes time for October, Mark, you have got to do everything possible to win because you never know when that opportunity is going to happen again. You know, you look at the the Nationals uh, with the team they have. Their their projected rotation this year is Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Tanner Roark, Gio Gonzalez, and Joe Ross. Again, I don't know Joe Ross that much, but those top four 
uh, could be number one starters on the Reds, any one of those top four. And that's the same with all the contending teams, the Indians, the Cubs, uh, the Cardinals. I mean, they, they have depth at, at every position, and especially starting pitching. But I, just as an aside, I didn't know if you saw what happened with the Giants yesterday uh, when they played Arizona. You know, the, the Giants, their bullpen again coughed it up for them. They were ahead five to one, and I think three to nothing, five to one, and they lose the game in the ninth inning again. And if you remember last year, they led the they led the league in blown saves, and it happened again on opening day. So even teams with a lot of money and, and high profile, they can get into these ruts too, and it, it's hard to shake it. And uh, you know the Giants got off to a bad start yesterday, and they went out and spent a lot of money on Mark Melanson to come in and be their closer. Yeah, you know, in, in fairness, uh, the hit that won the game was kind of off the handle and flared into right field. But, you know, again, they, they blew, their bullpen blew up again. And so even teams with a lot of money, and I never understood that Melanson move. I, I really didn't. I think he was a kind of a middle of the road reliever. He has some good stats with the Pirates, but I never thought he was that shut down Chapman type guy. And, but they paid him Chapman like money. And uh, that is a – their bullpen meltdown last year was throughout the season. And that, that is a that, – that's a bad omen for them starting into 2017. Oh, ab- absolutely, especially after the outing that they got yesterday from Madison Baumgartner. Not only on the mound, Mark, he had two home runs. Yeah, that guy is scary. I mean, it, it, given what we know about steroids now – you know he's not on him because he'd get caught. But he, that guy is one of the strongest guys I've ever seen on a baseball field. I mean, he is he is really put together. And his swing, he, you know, he could DH. That guy, he could swing the bat. And he, he's a he's a real threat in that lineup. And, but what, he struck out 11, I think, yesterday? And, and yeah. up to a great Perfect start. Perfect game into the sixth inning. Yeah. I mean, that's it's amazing. Yeah, he was he was outstanding yesterday. You know, Mark Terry Francona is considered one of the premier managers in baseball. He's been able to take teams that probably have some mediocre talent, like he did the first year in Cleveland, got them to the playoffs, and took a team that he had last year and took it to the World Series. We all know what he did with Boston. Just an outstanding job, he and Theo Epstein. But you brought up an interesting thought earlier and Brian Price. Now, he was very close to losing his job around the All-Star break last year. Matter of fact, the rumors were that he was fired during the All-Star break, and then the Reds immediately came out and rescinded that entire story. But, Mark, I want to ask you, as far as Brian Price is concerned, three questions with him. What is his strength as a manager? What is his weakness and what does he have to do in order to save his job for next year? Well, answer the last question first. He's got to win. Uh, I, I think the the short rope on him is pretty obvious. He, he's got to win this year and, or, or certainly show marked improvement. There was an article in the Dayton paper this morning saying that uh, Williams, the general manager, is not looking at a numerical definition of success but a more subjective development of the players which is awfully hard to quantify. But Brian Price, I, I think the weakness is he never he was a pitcher, uh, never a great pitcher. He, he pitched in the minor leagues and had some success. But he, to me, he doesn't instill a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, he, he's a more of an uh, intellectual approach to baseball. And I think the Reds have really lost that competitive edge where, where you have like a Pete Rose or, or somebody who could come in and really light a fire under the players. Uh, winning becomes uh, part of your DNA, and so does losing. And right now, I don't see how Brian Price has the personality that can lead this team uh, to, to any kind of long-term success. Now, I think his strength is he is a pitching coach, and I think he's doing a reasonably good job in developing some of these young pitchers. And that's why he'll always be in baseball, because he's recognized as a great pitching coach. So I, I, he may be in over his head in terms of a bench manager, uh, and the only way you disprove that accusation is to win. But he's not done it yet. 
and I'm not sure that he's the guy who's going to take this team to the next level. And you know, you, you look at you look at the Reds back in 1969. Remember who the manager was in '69? Wasn't it Dave Bristol? It's very good. You know, Dave Bristol came within one year of getting on that comet that became the Big Red Machine. And Sparky Anderson came in, and Dave Bristol would be in the Hall of Fame had he had stayed one more year, because that team would have would have raised his profile, and and they would have won with anybody managing that team. You could not have lost with that team. You may not have won uh, a world two World Series, but in fact, you could have won three or four with a different manager. But I never thought Sparky Anderson was that good a manager. I, I never did. He became good in everybody's mind because the team was great. But Dave Bristol, I thought, was a great manager. And had he stayed one more year, uh, he would have been in the Hall of Fame. And I think you could say the same thing with a team like the Reds. The next guy they bring in, if if Price doesn't doesn't win this year, he's likely to be, uh, you know, the guy that people remember over the next decade of, of producing uh, maybe a world championship or two because the Reds have some talent. Uh, but I'm not sure it's going to be Dave, uh, Brian Price who's going to you know, take him to the promised land. Well, you know, Terry Francona is known as a player's manager. Are you saying in a roundabout way that Brian Price is not that? I don't think he is that, no. Um, from what I've heard, I've talked to some of the players and former players down there, and he, he's, a, he's a smart guy. Uh, he understands the ins and outs. Ironically, he was not in the statistical corner with a lot of the other teams. You know, the the metrics that they use now to evaluate uh, players' performance. Uh, he, or maybe more to the point, the organization wasn't. Now, he's a pretty smart guy. He's computer savvy. I know that. And, you know, he he just doesn't, to me, he does not seem to be one of those guys that go, goes and hangs with the players after the game. I'll tell you, the guy who was very much like that was Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker was a, a player's manager, to be sure. And you, you look back, at when he was fired, the Reds had a pretty good run under Dusty Baker. And Brian Price just has not delivered the goods yet. Uh, part of that, of course, is the organization. And, and thank heaven that Walt Jockety is gone. Uh, I think he took that team down a, a horrifically bad path that we're going to be feeling for the next seven or eight years, frankly, with some of the contracts that he that he signed. So, you know, it's a new day, and there's no reason to start off being uh, pessimistic. Uh, although I, I did read the articles this morning um, by uh, the Reds writer, what, <laughs> Hal McCoy, and, boy, is he Dr. Death. I mean, he thinks this team is going to be pretty awful this year, and I, I, you know, you can't, you can't blow the team out of the water to begin with and say they have absolutely no hope because these are all major league ball players, every one of them, and you, you never know what's going to happen during the season. The Reds have their challenges, but in answer to your overriding question, is Brian Price the long-term answer? Unfortunately, I don't think he is. Well, last year the Indians needed a player that would step up and take them to the next level because they lost Michael Brantley. Well, that player turned out to be Jose Ramirez. And Ramirez, this weekend, Mark, signed a new contract, uh, you know, a deal that's going to take him through the 2023 season. And then Roberto Perez, who missed half the season last year but kind of atoned himself in the World Series when he hit two home runs in Game 1, and was throwing out runners on the bases with regularity from the catcher position, he's just signed a new contract, four years for $9 million. So you look at those two players, Mark, and they came out of nowhere and really helped propel the Indians this year, or last year. This year, I think the surprising player for the Indians is probably going to be a guy that they're going to have a third base Maybe for only the first couple months of the season, Mark, and that's Yande Diaz. I think Diaz is going to be the type of kid that they're going to plug into the lineup. And I'll tell you, Mark, he could conceivably take over in right field 
if Chisenhall does not get off to a good start. Now, Chisenhall's going to start out on the 10-day disabled list. He's not going to be in the lineup tonight. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, this Indians team, if he gets off to a good start and hits like he did, he could be a surprise player that the Indians are going to hang their hats on this year. Tell me who that could be for the Reds this season, who you have seen during spring training and, and what you think could be a surprise player for the Reds this year. Well, it would have to be one of the starting pitchers that, that they have in. And, you know, you, you know, Scott Feldman, of course, is making the, the, the start today, opening day, and he's 34 years old, so he's not going to be a surprise no matter what he does. But you look at a guy like uh, Rocio Iglesias or Michael Lorenzen, they've been around for two or three years, but I think they could break out this year. And the, the guy I think could, could have a really incredible year this year, based on what I've seen, is Adam Duvall. I tell you, he looks like he's put on 10 or 15, 20 pounds this year of muscle. And in spring training, Dave, he hit some, wait, he hit it against the Indians. That ball he hit off the scoreboard uh, a couple of days ago was an absolute shot, but he's been hitting ropes all year. And while he did play last year, he drove in over a hundred runs, runs. He could really establish himself as a, as a superstar player with another year like last year. Uh, on, on the starting rotation, there's so many things up in the air about this team that we don't know. We're going to find out. Uh, Robert Stevenson is finally penciled in as the fifth starter. I don't know how long it's going to last, but <laughs> this guy, you and I have been talking about him for what? Yes, since we've we been on the air. For six or seven years, we've been talking about him, and now this is his chance. And so what happens if he goes out and in his first four starts, he's 0-4 and, and has a 7 ERA? Is his career over? I think you've got to stick with him. I, I do. I think you've got to give this kid an opportunity for at least a couple of months. Just stick him in the rotation and just stick with him. You're not going anywhere in anybody's mind anyway. It doesn't matter. Well, that's that's certainly a point of view to be considered and respected. It's... It's the, the fans, the local fan base, have heard about Robert Stevenson as the next great thing for for going back five, six, seven years. And he's ne the thing that bothers me about Stevenson, he never really was a superstar in the minor leagues. He has some good secondary statistics. He, you know, he's got a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, got a good breaking ball, but he's never put the numbers up. Right. And I, I don't know why. He seems to have a, a great arm. I don't. Maybe it's the head. We've talked about that a hundred times. But this is, you know, I talked earlier about players under pressure. I think he's under pressure. I think he knows it. This is his chance. He's in the starting rotation, and they they gave him that 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 opportunity. Uh, and I, I think they may be doing what you suggest. It's been long enough. Guy, get out there and do it, or don't. Yeah, see, see what you can do. Get out there, throw your heart out, lay, lay it all out on the line. Well, it's time to get into our predictions, Mark. We do this every year. <clears throat> you know, I hate to uh, beat a dead horse, but I predicted that the Cubs would win in the over the Indians in seven games a year ago this time, and it turned out that the Cubs won in seven games over the Indians <laughs> at the end of the year. Uh, I'm not saying what my predictions are as of yet. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. But like we do every year, we always start out in the National League and the Western Division. Let's do it again this year. Mark, tell me who your five teams are and where they're going to finish out in the National League West. Well, let's start at the bottom and work up. All right. I, I've got the Padres last because they're a crummy baseball team. And... <laughs> <laughs> we talk about hope and, and so on, and of course any team can fool us. But looking at their their lineup and looking at their starting pitching, I, I don't see how they they rise out of the uh, the, the cellar. They, they lost 94 games last year. I think they're eminently capable of losing even more this year. So I, I have them in fifth place in the West. I got the Diamondbacks uh, in fourth place. Although I, I almost moved them up to third and moved the Rockies down to fourth, but I, I still think the Rockies have a little more offense, obviously. 
with Blackman and Arenado and, and that group, Carlos Gonzalez. So I don't see the Diamondbacks climbing up. I've got the Rockies uh, in in third place, but I have the Giants coming back toward them uh, with that that bullpen situation they have, and I think the Giants are getting older. Uh, if, if there's going to be a surprise in the West, I think it's Colorado. I think they have uh, you know a lot of good young talent out there. So I have San Diego fifth, Arizona fourth, Colorado. The Giants, I threw a blanket over them, but I had the Rockies finishing third, the Giants second, and the Dodgers first. I don't know how the Dodgers don't make it back to the playoffs again this year. That's a, that's a really solid team, offensively, defensively, starting pitching, bullpen. They, they've got a really, really good team, and I think they are separating themselves from the Giants in, in the West over the next three or four years. I don't see how anybody comes back and, and catches up with the Dodgers mainly because of money. Well, first of all, I, I agree with you pretty much on the National League West. I've got San Diego in last place, not just because they're a crummy baseball team, but because Colorado got rid of Walt Weiss. And any team that gets rid of Walt Weiss as their manager deserves to finish fourth in the National League West. So that's where I've got Colorado is at fourth in the National League West and because they've got Bud Black as manager also. I've got Arizona at number three. I think Arizona's just got a little bit better pitching than Colorado has got. I know Colorado's got a lot of hitting, but they have absolutely no pitching whatsoever. So I've got Arizona finishing third. The Giants second and the Dodgers first. So we we see one and two pretty much the same way, and even maybe three if Arizona does what you think they can do. But after that... Uh, we've got completely different, completely different looks on this. Mark. Yeah, I think the, the one the and two. I think the one and two in the West. Uh, that's not a hard selection process. What's going to happen is Arizona, Colorado are going to fight it out, and one of them may unseat the Giants for second. But uh, right now, if I had to put my money on it, I'd say the Giants number two. All right. How about the National League East? Uh, that's that's an interesting division. Uh, Washington, I think, is far and away the best team on paper. And you don't want to look historically all the time and say, well, it's the it's the Nationals, which means they're not going to win it. But I, I think they're clearly the best team. Uh, I don't see any surprises in this division. I have Atlanta fifth. I get Philadelphia fourth. Uh, if there's going to be a surprise, it could be the Marlins. Uh, Don Mattingly, I think this is his second year with them, and he's making an impact. That's a that's a pretty scary lineup they've got. Uh, again, there when you have your number one pitcher as as Volquez, uh, that causes me concern. And and Dan Straley, you know the Reds traded to Miami, he's our number two guy now in, in that rotation. And you know he that trade didn't bother me because I thought Straley got away with a lot of smoke and mirrors last year. He's a guy who could blow up. And, and lose, you know, 15, 16 games this year. And so I, the Marlins, it's, to me, it's going to be hard for them to, to climb above third. The Mets are a good ball club, obviously, a great lineup, a good starting rotation. Uh, they could give the Nationals – it's going to be close, I, I think, with those. But I think the Nationals are clearly the best team. Now, will they win it? We don't know yet. Well, the National League East, I've got Atlanta finishing in last place, even though I think Atlanta is on the move up. I think they're a team that probably has just chucked everything for the next couple of years, and but they're a team on the rise. I think John Hart's got something going down there. As far as fourth place, you know, I don't think Miami has ever really gotten over the death of Jose Fernandez, and, and the things that came out during the winter as to the cause of that uh, boating accident, I think it's going to continue to fester in that dugout. So I've got Miami, even though Don Mattingly is going to do everything he possibly can to get over this and get the team over the hump, I just see Miami having a, a fall off this year and finishing fourth. I see a team that could really be a positive surprise this year being the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, they started playing some pretty good baseball towards the end of last year, made a couple of nice deals during the winter, and I just look at them as being a third-place team. The team that I think is really going to fall off the deep end this year 
is a team that you just gave a lot of praise to. I think the Washington Nationals are ready to just make take a nosedive. And I see the New York Mets winning this division by maybe 15 games. Well, I don't see how you see that. Uh, <laughs> with, the, with the lineups, you, you look at the respective lineups those two teams have, and they, they both have scary offensive teams. But, but the pitching, I don't think any team is going to win that division by 15 games. Uh, I think it's going to be the Mets and the Nationals. I see a two or three game separation. It could go either way. I think that's going to be a tight, a tight race all the way to the end. Uh, last year, the Mets were 87 and 75. Uh, the Nationals 95 and 67. That's an eight game separation. I don't see the Mets making that up in one year. And I, I don't see what the, the Nationals did over the winter to get weaker. I mean, that's, that's a pretty darn good team. And, uh, adding Adam Eaton and, and that the, to that offense, I mean, wow, that, that that's to me a, a great offensive team. Yeah, right there is a the problem. Adam Eaton is not that great a ball player. Adam oh. Eaton is a disaster in the outfield even. Adam Eaton had one good year, Mark, with the Chicago White Sox. One good season. Mm-hmm. And that was the year that they won the World Series. The last five years he's been a total disaster. Let the White it's... Sox were not upset over getting rid of him. Let's assume you're right. Look at the rotation. Max Serger, Serger Steven Strasburg, and Tanner Roark, and Gio Gonzalez. Th- th- that's as good a top four as you have in baseball. I don't see that team having any kind of long losing streaks. I'm, I'm trying to be objective and to say that the Mets could beat that team by 15 games. I'll put a lot of money on that right now if you want to. Well, I may have been over the top with 15, but I'll say that the Mets have win this, are going to win this division by eight or ten games, and I don't think the Nationals – I think the Nationals are going to have a tough time even finishing in second. I just see this as being a disaster year for them. Scherzer's thrown a lot of innings over the last five years, Mark. So what? He, he's, he's still one of the best pitchers in baseball, but look at their second, third, and fourth pitchers. Strasburg, Rourke, Tanner – or Tanner Roark and, and Gio Gonzalez. No. Strasburg hasn't oh. been able to finish, pitch a complete season in how many years? Five or six? Yeah, that, that's true. I, but yeah. that's, that's why Gio you Gio Gonzalez is the same thing. He, he's always right at the edge of being there, Gonzalez, but he's never been able to go over the top. Yes, but look at the Mets. Steven Matz is going to be out for the first month or six weeks. Zach Wheeler is coming back from two surgeries. Uh, and they're depending on those guys to be in, in their starting rotation. And th- there's a lot to be proved there with those guys. So I, I think you're wrong on this one. I, I think it's going to be very close in the East. I'm going to go with Nash- the Nationals. And if any team is going to fall apart, I think it's going to be the Mets. I think the Mets have a better chance of imploding this year than do the Nationals. All right, let's switch over to the American League. We'll save the National League Central coming up here in just a little bit. Let's move over to the American League West, Mark, and what do you see happening there? Well, that's that's an interesting division because there, there's a lot of things in, in flux there. Uh, I think Oakland, who finished last last year, is, is a much better team than they showed, and I think they're going to be better this year. Uh, the Angels, God, I got the Angels fifth, and I got the Athletics fourth, I've got uh, the the Astros third, and I I had a hard time. And I agree with you. I think the Mariners could be the surprise team in the West. I went with the the Rangers finishing second and the Mariners first. And I know there's a lot of gaps between those two teams in a lot of ways. There's a nine game separation last year, but I think that, that the Mariners with that pitching staff they have and that lineup, I think they can do some damage. Uh, the Rangers, um, they added uh, Napoli this year to that lineup. You never know with a guy like that if his last year with the Indians where he was spectacular was his last good year. So if they are depending on him uh, a lot, I, I don't know he's going to deliver like he did last year with the Indians, to be to be determined. But their projected rotation uh, with, with the with the Rangers, they got Cole Hamels and you Darvish. Darvish coming back from injury too, so I, I don't think they're the stellar team that a lot of people do. Uh, they won 90, what they won ninety five games last year. Uh, I think the the Mariners could be the surprise in the West. 
So I got them as my surprise team, moving up to take the Western Division and the Texas Rangers finishing second, then the Astros, then the Athletics, and then the Angels. I don't entirely disagree with you on Seattle, although I've got them finishing second in the division. I've got the A's finishing last, the Angels finishing in fourth place in that division. Houston, I think, is going to be a disappointing ball club, Mark. You know, a couple of years ago, they were the darlings of Major League Baseball, and then they blew that 8-1 lead over Kansas City, and last year it was a struggle. <clears throat> Their pitching has really fallen off the deep end. I'm, I've got Houston finishing third, but I think there's going to be a big separation between Houston and Seattle. I've got Seattle finishing second, and I've got Texas finishing first, only because I think Texas has got a deeper bullpen than Seattle does. But nonetheless, it would not surprise me. I agree with you. I think Seattle is really up and coming and I see them finishing in second, but it wouldn't take much for them to overtake Texas for the top spot in the American League West. But that brings up the best, I think, the best division in baseball again, and that's the American League East. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, I said I looked at their statistics and where they finished last year and the depth of the lineups over the weekend, and that you could have, you know, New York Yankees who finished fourth last year. And I've got them finishing a third this year. Uh, they could probably win a couple other divisions. They're that good. And they, they're just in the wrong division, in the wrong division at the wrong time. So I've got the, the Tampa Bay Rays finishing last. I've got Baltimore finishing fourth, the Yankees third, Toronto second, and Boston first. And you know Boston right now, that is a very, very good baseball team. And the thing I like about them is they're good and they're young. And they got a lot of young talent on that team. It could be around for a long time. And they've mixed in the the veterans well. Uh, they got youth leading it, but they got it, it's it'll be interesting to me. I think one of the most interesting guys to look at this year is Pedro Sandoval. Now, he came to spring training, and by all indications, I, I've read anywhere from 40 to 60 pounds he lost. Uh, who knows how good he's going to be? But if, if he can regain his offensive uh, capabilities from a couple of years ago with the Giants, that, that is a scary lineup they've got. Uh, but the pitching is so good. Uh, with a adding Chris Sale to that rotation, I mean, that is a very, very good baseball team. And if anybody was going to win a division by, by 10 or 15 games, I think it's Boston. But uh, the only reason they won't is because they got to play in their own division. And their own division is the toughest division in baseball. And that would probably keep the, you know, their, their wins and losses in, in order. But you put Boston in any other division, maybe except the AL Central, and I think they would win it by 10 or 15 games. Well, all right, I've got Tampa finishing in last place. That That's an easy one. The Yankees, I've got them finishing in fourth place, Mark. I just don't think that they've got a team that can contend with Baltimore. Baltimore has, has got virtually the entire team coming back, and I just look at them as being a team that is not going to contend for the playoffs, but I don't see the Yankees contending for the playoffs either. I've got Baltimore finishing at number three. Toronto has lost a tremendous amount. They may have only lost one guy, but that one guy averaged 30 home runs and 100 RBIs for the last five years, and that's Enwin Encarnacion. Now, certainly, they've got Bautista coming back in, in right field, but Bautista was either covering up Encarnacion in the lineup or Encarnacion was covering him up in the lineup. I think the loss of double E is going to be a big loss for Toronto, but... Their pitching is going to be able to carry them. I think they're going to finish in second place. That leaves Boston. I gave Boston the benefit of the doubt, where I didn't give Washington the benefit of the doubt. There's a couple of things that bothered me about the Red Sox. But I'm looking at this team, and I agree with you, Mark, that I think they're a good baseball team, very good baseball team. But David Price has had an arm problem throughout the entire spring. And normally when you have an arm problem in spring, it tends to carry over into the regular season. I'm not saying that's going to be the case. I'm saying that's a what if. Chris Sale is a good ball player, 
but he has got a reputation where he has not been very good in locker rooms. This Boston locker room has been a locker room of unanimity. They've been great together. But without David Ortiz, that leaves the leadership role to a guy that has not been very well liked in Dustin Pedroia in Boston. John Farrell is a manager that is not well known as a player's manager. What I'm saying here is, yes, I agree with you. There is a lot to look forward to as far as this Red Sox team is concerned. But I think they've got a tremendous amount of question marks. But I've chosen to give this Boston team the benefit of the doubt where I didn't give it to the Washington Nationals. I think Boston's going to win the division. Let me throw in a a haymaker of of a deal that I think could happen this year. If Boston gets off to a slow start, they say they're still in contention, but off to a slow start. And Mitch Moreland, their first baseman, uh, does not perform. It would not surprise me that the Boston Red Sox look to Cincinnati and Joey Votto. Uh, you put Votto in that lineup, and <laughs> you've got one of the great lineups in recent history in baseball. They can afford it. Uh, they lost Big Poppy. They got the money. Uh, Joey Votto could be, you know, for, for the next six or seven years, he'd be a threat to hit 400 in that ballpark. And with the green monster out there, the way he goes to left field, the short porch in right field, uh, my gosh, that, the numbers Votto could put up in that, in that ballpark. Uh, so it, my, my scoop of the year is that if they get off to a slow start, and this is assuming the Reds are not competitive, which nobody thinks they will be. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me that Joey Votto ends up playing with the Boston Red Sox this year. Well, here's another thing, too, Rick Porcello. He had a career year a year ago. I don't see that in him this year. I, I don't see him winning 20 games this year. I, to be honest with you, Mark, I don't see him winning 15 games. I think he's the wild card with this Boston team. That Let's go back now to the National League. That So you and I both have Boston. You and I both have Toronto finishing first and second in the in the American League East. Let's go back to the National League Central before we hit the AL Central. It's your division. You go for it. Well, uh, I probably surprised a lot of people. Uh, I've got Milwaukee finishing fifth. I got Cincinnati fourth. Uh, I've got the Cardinals third, Pittsburgh second, and of course the Cubs to win it. I think the Cardinals uh, may be a very big disappointment this year. Uh, I'm not sure. They picked up Dexter Fowler. Uh, He's going to help. I don't. I don't see that lineup as particularly frightening anymore. Uh, And they're they're pitching. If anybody gets hurt, and and Adam Wainwright's coming back after surgery, uh, and and Mike Leake is in that rotation again. Lance Lynn had surgery last year. I think the Cardinals are a team that that could fall even down to fourth, with Milwaukee and Cincinnati jump. You know, jumping up this year. So. uh, the Cubs, clearly the team to beat, and if anybody is going to win a division by 15 games, it's the Cubs. So you know, the I think the Pirates are frankly better than the Cardinals right now, and Cincinnati, you know, could be right there with the Cardinals. And I think you can put a blanket over the rest of the division with St. Louis, Milwaukee, and Cincinnati. I'm not sure any one of those three teams is going to compete. Pittsburgh's a pretty good ball club, and uh, they, they scare me a lot more now than the Cardinals do. Well, I think the problem with the Pirates is I'm just not sold on their pitching. And I, I'm not sure, you know, Andrew McCutcheon did not take this move to right field very well. And the Pirates didn't do much to, to help that with the way that they told him he was going to right field, letting him learn about it in the newspaper. Not a good way to, to tell the guy that you uh, have as a free agent that you're moving to right field. But I've got, I agree with you that I've got the Brewers number Number five, I've got the Reds in fourth place. I've got Pittsburgh in third place. I think the Cardinals, you know, their organization, yeah, there's a lot of injuries. I don't like Peralta at shortstop. You know, I thought last year the the trade that the Cardinals should have made was getting Zach Cozart for the Reds. 
I still think that's probably a move that they should make, even though I think Cozart's going to end up with the Yankees. But I've got the Cardinals finishing second, and the Cubs are going to finish in first place. Let's move over to the National, the American League Central. And, Mark, I think you and I are both going to agree on this one. Yeah, I think that's a pretty easy division to call. I think the Twins are still uh, at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, the White Sox are getting better. But it wouldn't surprise me that the White Sox continue their their purge and get rid of Quintana this year and maybe even Todd Frazier uh, and, and go completely youth uh, over the rest of this year and into, into the future. Uh, I think the team that has fallen the most is Kansas City. Uh, where they were two or three years ago and where they are now, I think it's a, it's a different team. And so I get Detroit as second-place team. Although I, maybe Kansas City could could hang on one more year and get second, but I got the Twins last, the White Sox fourth, uh, the Royals third, Detroit second, and Cleveland obviously winning the division. Well, I'll tell you, we are identical on the American League Central Division. I've got Cleveland one, Detroit two, KC three, Chicago four, and Minnesota five. Although I could see one of the surprise teams, as I said earlier, the White Sox moving up if everything breaks their way because I just like the potential that they've got on that baseball team. Who do you have as the wild card teams in the National League? Uh, that, that's a tough call because uh, the Mets, I think, are the team that is probably the second best team uh, in their division. Uh, I don't see a wild card team coming out of the West unless I'm missing something. So right now I have the Mets and the Pirates as the two wild card teams out of the uh, American uh, National League. I don't see there's a lot of depth in the National League this year that I could say, oh, that, that's a really good team and they have a chance to make the playoffs. I don't see that other than the Mets and the Pirates. Boy, oh boy, we're we're way off on on this one. I've got the Giants and the Cardinals in the National League being the the uh, wild card playoff teams. Yeah, those, you are like, the, those are the two. You like the Cardinals better than I do. I think the Cardinals are, are moving down, and I, I don't see how they're going to win the division or come close this year. I, I just don't see it in their lineup. In the American League, I've actually got Toronto and Seattle as my wild card teams in the American League. Who do you have? Uh, that's exactly who I had. I had Seattle and Toronto because I think they're 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 very good teams in very good divisions. And that's the problem is when you're in a really, really good division, your win-loss record is, is going to be challenged because you're playing a good team almost every day within your division. That That's going to hurt them. Frankly, I think Seattle has a better chance of the wild card than Toronto because they have to play Boston so many times. they got to play Baltimore and New York so many times. Uh, Seattle has a much easier path to winning 90, 95 games this year than, say, any other team in baseball. And what about the World Series competitors? Well, that's, well, I mean, to me, <laughs> Cleveland and, and, and Boston are clearly the best teams in the American League, no question. So I'm going to go with the Indians, uh, you know, w- winning the, the the American League pennant. And I know, I, I hate to do this, uh, but I think it's going to be Washington. I think the net, I know you disagree with this. I think this is the year Washington pulls it off. And what, what happened last year with the Cubs, everything went perfectly well. And I'm just going on the baseball gods of, of saying it's <laughs> unlikely that's going to happen again. So I like Washington. I think they've got the right manager now. If, if they stay healthy, if Scherzer's healthy all year and that pitching staff, staff is healthy, I really like the Nationals going to the World Series. I've got Cleveland winning the American League. I've got the Cubs winning the National League. And we've got a World Series rematch. But this year, I've got the Indians winning it in six games. I don't know if I'm going with my heart or my head, Mark, but I've got the Tribe in six. Well, look, going with Cleveland to win the World Series is not its not <laughs> a long shot. I mean, that's, that, that's, a, pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good bet. So uh, I can't argue with your pick at all. What bothers me the most about my pick, I agree with ESPN. It's got to be wrong. (laughs) So we start off the year. The Phillies and the Reds happened earlier this afternoon. The Indians and the Rangers are going on tonight. 
and the regular season begins here this evening. Mark, we'll talk about it all again next week. Have a good one, Dave. You too. It's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks for joining us here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. And I want to thank everybody for joining us here tonight for our show here this evening as we went through our predictions in Major League Baseball for the 2017 season. We'll be back again next Monday night, and we'll be talking to you about what happened in week number one of the 2017 Major League Baseball season. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next Monday night on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Until then, have a good week, everybody.